Good morning, everyone. Well, I can't say hello in the language for this country because the country we're learning about this month is China, and I do not know any of the Chinese languages. But China, even though it's smaller, I didn't realize this, I thought it was larger, but it's actually behind us in land mass. Uh, us and Canada both are bigger than China, but in number of people, they have the largest population, 1.4 billion people. And thankfully, um, when before um, the communism took over and everything, the AG as well as other missionaries were there, and we had planted a lot of churches. And when all the missionaries got kicked out, because the AG plants churches to be self-propagating and to take care of themselves and know how to, when we left, those churches just went underground and have spread, and so there is a lot of Christians there. However, uh, we're still only 5% of that 1.4 billion, and then there's 22% of folk religions and 18% Buddhists, 2% Muslim, and then most are communists or atheists. But BGMC does a lot there, a lot helping with like livestock and water. We, we help um, buy goats in order to help a family start a business because, you know, instead of you teach them to fish, right, you give them something to get started with. And there's also a lot of orphanages there, um, mostly full of girls because they all want to have a boy, but they have a rule that you only have one kid, so then they give the girls away. And so there is a lot of orphanages, and so we help a lot with those as well, and medical, youth for drug rehabilitation programs, and Chi Alpha. And so we do have a lot going on there. But um, <laughs> so we're going to learn a lot about China today. So I'm going to pray for this, and then y'all come on and come up. And y'all don't forget that besides BGMC, this is Mission Sunday. And so be sure and give a missions offering today, either in the offering here, or if you don't have it ready, put it in the boxes out there. But let's support our missionaries that we are partnering with all across the world, okay? Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to teach these kids about China and about missions. Lord, I just ask that you bless this BGMC offering, Lord, and then the missions offering that people will give into your kingdom, Lord, to spread your kingdom all around the world for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all come.
no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. Oh, you've already won. He's the God of 
Father, we stand on that promise this morning, God. We're believing in your word, God. We believe for your miracles, Father. Father, we believe you and we trust you, Lord, on this walk. God, we just pray this morning that if there are any strongholds holding your people back, Father, if there are breakthroughs out here that need to be seen through, Father, we pray this morning that you would just unleash your power in this service, God. Break those chains, God. Clear the boundaries, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. Because there is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard this tide will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. Because there is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the unmovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe. Break the unbreakable God we 
regardless of what it looks like. In Jesus' holy name, we break that bondage this morning. Go back to the very beginning and then we're going to stop. 
five years that Sister Julie was a worship pastor. very special to my wife and I as well. Uh, Gary was a deacon when I was pastor at Coweta Assembly of God Church. Vonda was the secretary and treasurer of the church. We had board meetings together. And for us to love each other like we do today and had board meetings yesterday, that tells you God was involved, amen? And I just love Gary and Vonda. I know them not only as pastor, not only as deacon, not only as secretary and treasurer, but I know them as good Christian people. I get to tell you, you are blessed to have this pastor and this pastor's wife as your pastor. Amen. If you would, let me introduce my beautiful wife. Paula, stand up, darling. Forty-seven years. Forty-seven years. Forty-seven years. Thank the Lord. I love her more today than I did when I married her. In fact, I thought I knew what love was when I got married, but most of you agree with me. When we got married, we didn't have a clue what love was. But thank God after years we, we do. Um, if you would, let me give just very briefly, just for you to know a little bit about me and Paula, um, my history a little bit. I was born and raised in Tulsa. Paul and I met at Oklahoma State University. We call that God's University. And uh, there you go. And um, we went on in, uh, as far as our relationship, she was raised out uh, Lawton in between uh, Marlowe and Duncan. There's a road that goes back to Lawton. And there's a community back there called Central. And my wife, that's where she was raised. Um, I was a Tulsa fireman for a number of years, and God didn't call me into ministry right out of, out, out of school. Uh, I first went into a profession. I was a fireman for a while, and then God called me to full-time ministry, went back to school, finished up my bachelor's degree at Southwestern Assembly God University in Waxahachie, Texas, and uh, pastored three different locations. One was Sand Springs as a youth pastor for 13 years, still love teenagers. I've already scanned the congregation, I can tell you where the kids are. And from Sand Springs went to Coweta, and from Coweta, Chickasha. I, I give you those names because some of you may be from one of those locations. Right now I'm uh, at Discovery Church in Yukon. Uh, the pastor is my son-in-law, 
uh, Kevin Fouts, he pastors Discovery Church. I get to do his Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm retired. Retirement is good. Let me tell you, retirement is wonderful. I'd have done it a whole lot earlier if I could have. But thank God for the blessing of being 67 years old, gray-headed old dude, and enjoying life. It is so good. Paula and I have already been on a few trips. We've already got a, we're going to Seattle. We've got one planned up. We just came back from Florida. And, man, I believe that we ought to enjoy life. Amen. See, I believe, I'm convinced that God created the mountains for me to enjoy. God created the golf course for you to enjoy. You know, I don't do golf, but if you do, God bless you. Uh, God created all the pleasures of this earth. I've got a, um, and I'm going to be just transparent with you, I know no other way. I've got a um, 07 Mustang Cobra Shelby, 550 horsepower. Some of you are nodding with me, you know you're a car guy. I've got a Sea-Doo, a little trick Sea-Doo that will do wheelies on the water, and, and I play with it. Some of you are looking at me, I thought you was a Christian. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a, a fallacy that has been in the church too long is that you can't have fun and be a Christian. That is a lie. That's kept a lot of people away from God. And the reality is, many times you'd go into church and you'd look around and see all those pruned faces, all those frowny people, and you'd go, God help me, deliver me from that. We're living in an exciting time. I understand, in fact, a couple of times this morning, I was looking over my notes, and I told Paul, I said it, I know Gary does not want to give up that pulpit today. <laughs> With the events of this past week, I have found that God has perfect timing. I'm, I believe that I'm on a mission this morning. Please, please get my heart. I never take the pulpit lightly. I have prayed, I've sought God, I've studied, and I've come prepared to deliver you the word from the Lord that God wants you to hear today. I can tell you biblically, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. If you, don't, if you like taking notes, take notes. If you don't want to, don't. But I, I'm going to bring a lot of scripture today. I believe that God is very concerned about time. I believe time is a very critical topic with God, I can show you biblically. In Exodus 12 and 41, it was 40 and 430 years to the day that Israel was in Egyptian bondage. 430 years. That didn't happen by accident. It was to the day. That's Ezekiel 12 and 41. In Matthew 1 and 17, it says 14 generations. If you remember from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian captivity. Exactly 14 generations from Babylonian captivity to Christ. Look at me, please. Time is very important to God. In Galatians 4 and 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Jesus came right on time. When I go to John 19 and 31, Jesus died on the cross of Calvary exactly when it was his time. 
if you remember with me, John 19, 31 says that they brought him off of the cross. They sped up, wanted to speed up the death by breaking legs so they could not exhale, so it would suffocate quicker. Came to Jesus. Jesus is already dead. And the reality is he needed to die right then because not only was that the Sabbath, but it was the preparation for Passover. Not only was that that particular Sabbath, a, a, a Sabbath day, but it was a very high and holy Sabbath because it was Passover also. Passover landed that year on a Sabbath. And so the reality with it being the preparation, you needed to get the lamb ready. And the lamb was on the cross at exactly the right time. I'm going to tell you, God knows where we're at in this timeline. When I, I look, in, and I am a student of end-time prophecy. If you study Matthew 24, if you study Mark chapter 13, Luke 21, that's all of Jesus' teaching concerning end-time events. John, most of John, 92% of John is only in John, but when you look at the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you put it together, you, you hear that from Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm going to tell you, though, is, is this. Some of you that are gray-headed and old enough to remember this, Jesus Christ did not come back in 88. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're laughing and you're, because there's a guy that came out with a best-selling book, 88 Reasons Why Christ is Coming Back in 1988. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that would come behind the pulpit and would try to tell you they know when Christ is coming back, they're lying. Because they do not know. Uh, scripture to put in your notes is Mark 13 and 32. Only one knows, and that's the Father. Jesus, he even said this. He said, I don't know. He said, only the Father knows. But I'm going to tell you, God knows. I'm going to tell you, there is a day, there is a hour. There is a minute, there is a second. There is a millisecond that Jesus Christ is coming back. And it's already set in store. It's already on the timeline. I'm going to tell you, somebody knows. What do we need to do as a church? This is, I believe, the message for the hour. We need to have God's strength to overcome. Amen. If there was ever time to quit playing church, it's now. Amen. If there was ever time to drop the empty religion, it's now. Man, I am so sick and tired. I pastored for over 40-some years, and I am so sick and tired of empty religion. The reason I say that is my Lord and Savior didn't like empty religion. You read the Gospels. Who were the people he was the hardest on? The scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. He did not like empty religion. Uh, Paul and I, we have five grandsons uh, from 18 to 24. None of them are married. And, and I am taking phone numbers today. So if there's any <laughs> candidates out there, I'd, I'd love to find a good Christian girl to introduce them to. Uh, and and I, I love my grandsons. We've invested in them very much. They were all over the house yesterday, except the one that's at Evangel College. Uh, have two called ministry, and both of them are going to be in Evangel next year. And, and the other one's a, a senior at Bethany High School graduating this year. And God just blessed us. I can tell you that I've got five grandsons and every one of them love Jesus. And, and it's just a, an honor. But at the same time, there was times that we took our five grandsons on vacations. I'm a firm believer in, in this, and you can't expect to make a withdrawal if you don't put a deposit. 
You know, a lot of people say, well, why do my kids not ever come see me? Why do my grandkids not come see me? I'm an old dude and nobody's coming to see me. Well, the reality is, did you invest? You can't expect to make a withdrawal if you didn't make a deposit. Invest in their life. So we took them on vacations for years and years. And man, it, it was honestly five boys. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. And we took them to Slitterbond. We took them to all these different locations. And, and what we found over the years is that there's a word that these kids, if you've got kids or grandkids, you've heard them use it. The word, it can't be found in the dictionary. And, and the word has no clear specific meaning, but when used, Every parent, every grandparent in here knows you better move the moment you hear this word. And, and here's the word. It's uh-oh. <laughs> if you'll note with me, uh-oh means I just did something that I think is not good. <laughs> or uh-oh means, and, and I've seen it mean all of this, uh-oh means I'm in the middle of something and I think I need help getting out of it. And another meaning of uh-oh is this situation is bad, and if someone doesn't come quick, it's going to get worse. <laughs> I think all of us have, you know, when we keep the little ones, and boy, you hear that uh-oh, you know it's time to move. I find us as a church today in a uh-oh. Notice with me, we've done something and it wasn't good. I'm sorry for the world that we are passing on to our children. I'm sorry to be in a world that is calling wrong right and right wrong. I'm sorry that lesbianism and, and homosexual relationships are so approved in the culture. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that they took prayer out of school. I'm sorry that to be a Christian is almost to be weird in our culture. God help us. We've done something, uh-oh, and it wasn't good. Also notice the next, I'm in the middle of something, I think I need help getting out of it. I think every one of us in the church, man, we're in the middle of something, Lord, and we need some help to get out of this. Notice if you would the last one, and this situation is bad, and if someone doesn't come quickly, it's going to get worse. I believe you'll have to agree with me, we're living in a time era that we need the return of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is getting his church ready for it. But the question, though, is this. What is it that the church needs today in this hour more than anything else? I believe the message of the hour is the one I'm bringing to you this morning. We need to have strength to overcome. Does, God does not want one of you to be a statistic of a failure. Can you say amen? Amen. God wants every one of us to be conquerors, to be overcomers, to be able to get through this and to be able to make it all the way to heaven. One day very soon, we're going to hear the trumpet sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first and we're going to be caught up together in the clouds to be with the Lord. And then we're going to ever be with the Lord. But what I want is is this. I believe that even as hard-headed as most Christians are, there's two things we could agree on. One is is this, I want to get to heaven. Would you agree with that as a number one? Uh, Number one, more than anything else in my heartbeat, my primary objective in life is I want to get Gary Rogers, I want to get this dude to heaven. My number two, and I think think we could even agree with this, I want to take as many people with me as I can. I believe that as hard-headed and as diverse as we are, we all got different interests and different backgrounds. I believe we can come together. This, the key word is unity. Yeah. 
I believe we can come together on, in unity in the two primary objectives of our life. I want to get to heaven. I want to take as many people to heaven with me. And that's the hour that we live. The question we need to ask, though, is this. What does a Christian do in personal faith attacks? Um, I retired in September of 20 and have been at Discovery Church Yukon. Discovery Church Yukon, uh, about 800 to 900 people, thriving church. God's blessed it right on Highway 66. If you know where the grain mill is in Yukon, you just pass the church. It was a Jackie Cooper car lot that my son-in-law had a vision of taking this car lot and turning it into a church. And it's a thriving church today. And the church has missions vision. Started a church in, uh, not Arlington, Tyler, Texas. Kyle, Texas. What is the lake out there that I got my sea do on? Uh, <laughs> it was a Civil War guy. It starts with a T. Travis. Lake Travis. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> they started a church, had a young man on staff, called the ministry, went down, got a storefront, started a church. They supported him for two years, paid his way. I was asking my son-in-law statistics yesterday so I could just have it clear. And now they've got over $250,000 in their savings account, getting ready to buy some land. They're running 250 people. They're getting ready to put a Tesla plant right outside city. And they're in a booming location, and they're reaching the loss for Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you another missions project, and this is just last month, is a, a young man, he's a black gentleman who attended the church, OSU football player, went on to pro. His name is ja uh, Jamie Thomas. Jamie went on into the NFL. He's called into ministry. And Jamie now, just three weeks ago, started a brand new church called The Prayer Room uh, in North west northeast oklahoma city and he is out of discovery church discovery church is paying his salary discovery church is taking care of him what is that called that's called missions church i'm going to tell you find your heart for missions today uh, find what god wants to do through your church lone grove assembly of god church you don't have to necessarily do what they're doing it at Discovery Church, not what they're doing at Chickasha, not what they're doing. You do what God has called you to do. But I'm going to tell you, God wants you to do something. It's time to get up off of our blessed assurance and start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. What does a Christian, what does a last day's Christian do with the faith challenges of false prophets arising, lawlessness abounding, hearts growing cold? Many departing from the faith, wars and rumors of wars, disease. Uh, in the prophetic word of Luke 21, Jesus specifically uses the word translated in the King James, pestilence. You go back to the original Greek, it's L-O-I-O-S, meaning literally diseases. COVID-19 is an end time prophecy fulfilled. And it has done more damage than I ever thought could have happened to the church. I got to tell you, I'm old enough that I've seen some things happen over the years, and I can tell you one of the biggest devastations to the church of Jesus Christ I've seen in the last 50-odd years is COVID-19. 
we literally shut the doors of the church. And I'm sorry, I, I pastored uh, Chickasha Grand Assembly of God Church, and we shut the doors. We went strictly live stream. We were told by the Oklahoma district if we didn't shut the doors, we were on our own. If anybody sues you, you're on your own. Breaks my heart looking back. We need to recognize the hour that we live, church. It's time for us to get serious about our commitment to Jesus Christ. If you would, please, it is time for us to be overcomers. One of the unctions of the Holy Spirit, and, and thank you for the liberty, and, and if you would, I, I, just let me preach to you, okay? Um, one of the unctions of the Holy Spirit in my heart here recently is this, that I need to be thankful for the hour that I live. Why? And a good question would be why? Well, why in the world you'll be thankful for this time of COVID-19, all this garbage going on? I am getting to see the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. See, teenagers, God chose you. Young man, God chose you to be your age. You are right now at this time. Every gray head in here, God chose you to be the backbone of this church, the ones with experience. Right now, this time, prior to his return. You're not here by accident. You're here by a divine plan. Now consider this. If in, in his sovereignty, God chose us to be his church in this hour, could it be that it's also in his plan to strengthen us to overcome? I'm convinced it is. Because I don't believe that God wants you to fail in these last days. I believe God wants you to overcome. Go with me, if you would, please. Find in your Bible, if you would, please, Psalm 46. And beginning with verse 1, we're, we're again, not going to get in any hurry, please. Psalm 46 and 1 says, God, not the Republicans, not Donald Trump, not the other dude. God is our refuge and strength. God is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I I had a sign in front of my house for the first uh, couple of years of COVID, and it said, faith, not fear. And I've seen Christians gripped by fear. Understand with me, God is our strength. God is our refuge. God is our ever. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He never bails out on you. Well, I am so impressed by the Ukrainian president. Anybody say amen with me? That guy's got my respect. Uh, I was watching some of the news yesterday, and I, I told my wife, I said, Paula, if I were there, I'd have to kiss you. Say goodbye. I go to the front line to be with him. I so admire people being willing to square their shoulders and take a stand for what is right. Notice with me that our strength in these last days comes from the Lord. In verse 2, therefore we will not fear even though. 
even though Putin invades Ukraine, even though there's a COVID-19 pandemic, even though the stock market's crashing, even though my bills are going up and my income's going down. Notice with me, even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, even though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, even though, in spite of anything, in our vernacular we would say, no matter what, no matter what happens, God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my ever-present help in time of need. And the outcome is this. I will never fear. Amen. False evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R. Making a lie something that comes as an attack against your faith. If you would, please stick with me in that thought and go with me to uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18. I, I love using scripture when I preach. Amen. Psalm 18 verse 1 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I'm going to ask you, do you love Jesus? I, I know that's kind of a, almost sounds like a goofy question to ask in church. But you know, let me tell you, I do not love like this. I do not love the assemblies of God. I'm going to tell you like this, like I should love God. I do not love America. Thank God I'm America. Thank God for the assemblies of God. But there's only one that gets my God love. Amen. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. While you and I were a no good, lousy sinner, God demonstrated his love. God showed his love. And that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary. That's love. And now I've got to give a recipient of that love. I've got to love him back. And it says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Amen. Oh, amen. Whatever your enemy is, he wants to deliver you from that enemy. Thank God for his promises. Note with me very quickly in scripture, and I want you to see with me these verses. In verse 1 of chapter 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength. 18 and 1, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Jeremiah 16 and 19, O Lord, my strength, my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Habakkuk 3 and 19, it says, the Lord God is my strength. There's some real basic things there I want you to see, and that is this. Uh, strength is given and strength is received. Have you received the strength of the Lord? The strength of the Lord is extended, but listen to me, church, just because it's extended doesn't mean you're an overcomer. You've got to receive it. You've got to allow that strength. I appreciate the word from our sister that you need to lay down a burden. And the reality is whatever your past is trying to limit you, you need to lay down every burden of the past and gain victory through Jesus Christ. Some of you are being beat up on past forgiven sin. You need to get victory over that. Uh, over and over, what the enemy attempts to do is come to us with condemnation and with some type of guilt. 
And the reality is Jesus Christ has already forgiven you. And so quit letting the enemy beat you up on forgiven sin. If the Lord has forgiven you, you're clean. You're pure. Uh, never coming back to the mind of God as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. And so if you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Now enjoy your salvation. Amen. Don't pick up the burden. Lay it down and thank God we can. Here we also see that the strength of the Lord takes us to victory. God wants you to be overcomer. God wants you to be victorious. If you will, let me go very quickly and I'm going to give you these things. Here's what I see the areas that we need strength in. We need strength in hope. Uh, go with me, please, to Romans chapter 5 and, and look there with me. In fact, let me just read off the screen. That'd be fine. Thank you for the PowerPoint, brother. That's just fine. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. See, my forgiveness is standing in the grace of my God. Notice with me, if you would, uh, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of the Lord. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. And, and this is the hour that we live. We're going to glory. We, the church of Jesus Christ, we're going to put a smile on our face in spite of COVID-19. We're going to put a smile on our face. We're going to live in victory. We're going to be conquerors. We're going to be overcomers. Notice with me, we're going to knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom God has given us. That is the hope of God. Notice with me, if you would, please, in Romans 5, and, and let me go in my look at in Scripture. In Romans 5, Romans 8 and 24 and 25. It says, Romans 8, 24, it says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Are you with me? Yeah. Sister, you've not seen yet the answer, but we're hoping for it. Right. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, even though you don't yet see it. Uh, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he already has, for what he's seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Uh, here is an outline, I believe, of what we are today, we the church. Uh, what we find in the church today is, yes, tribulation. There's problems in the culture. Uh, Jesus told us it would be this way, and Paul in his writing told us that in the last days that there would be, uh, it would be worse and worse. Man's hearts are seared as with a hot iron, seared, so there is no guilt, no condemnation. People are doing crazy things. And so tribulation, the reality is this hope could not be experienced if there wasn't also the tribulation. Because tribulation, the outcome is perseverance. When we make it through a difficult time, then comes that endurance. Uh, I managed health clubs for a number of years in Tulsa and still hit the health club uh, three times a week. I'm, I'm an old dude, but I try to stay in shape. 
And the reality, ooh, thank you. <laughs> and so the reality is, is that which is used will develop, and that which is not used will waste away. And what we've got to use is we've got to use our hope. Because the reality is tribulation builds perseverance, endurance, and endurance builds character or proof, proof that you're really a Christian. See, anybody can say they're a Christian, but only a Christian can react like one. And see, God's wanting us to react like his children. And then from that comes hope. And hope is expecting things to get better than they currently are. And I believe that's exactly what God wants in our heart. Hope that is seen is not hope. But understand, we are hoping, believing for God's total victory and God's strength. This hope is what keeps the Christian out of worry, out of fear, out of depression, out of doubt, and out of unbelief. Thank God. Yeah, are there going to be attacks to our belief in these last days? Yes, there are. But the reality is our hope is in Jesus Christ. We need strength in our hope. Strength in a hope builds faith when the doctors give a bad report. Uh, strength and hope builds trust when you can't be with a loved one hurting. Well, that's been one of the terrible things of COVID. Uh, we've, I've seen a number of people having to go into surgery and they have to say goodbye to their loved one outside. Can't even go in the hospital to be with them. Can't even see them. Uh, can't even be there when they're recovering. Don't even see them again until they're released. But let me tell you, strength and hope will get you through those times. Strength and hope builds comfort when a loved one dies. I've got a mother that right now is, uh, I, I love my mother. Uh, she's real trying right now because she's got dementia. If anybody knows anything about Alzheimer's and dementia, it's, it's cruel. Breaks your heart. And I am her primary caregiver. And you never know what it's going to be like when you go into the room. You know, I, I go into the room and I don't know if she's going to know me today. But uh, almost every time I walk in the door, she goes this. And I know this sounds real corny to some of you, but this is what she said. There's my baby boy, 67 years old, still a baby, you know, but she's 90. And my mother one day will know me and the next day will not. And then she says, well, who's the picture of that guy up there on that shelf? I said, well, his name is Horace Rogers and you were married to him for over 65 years and, and he really loved you. I just can't remember him. One of the things that my mother has asked me to pray with her for is for her to get to go to be with Jesus. When she has a clear thought, which is not every day, but when she has a clear thought, she'll say, I want you to be praying for me that I go to be with Jesus. I'm going to tell you that her hope is founded in Jesus Christ. Strength and hope got Christians through the depression. It did. Some of you are, are maybe older than me and you've seen some of these things. Strength and hope got Christians through the Cold War. I experienced a lot of that personally. Strength and hope got Christians through adversity, through loss, through disaster, through destruction, through Alzheimer's, through death of a loved one. Strength and hope got Christians through. I'm convinced that strength and hope is going to get us through these last days. I'm convinced that strength and hope is going to give us victory right up to the time... The trumpet sounds. It's going to be that fast. I can't clap my hands fast enough because it's like in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
It just happened. Strength and hope is going to get us all the way to then ready for Jesus to come. Anybody say amen? In this hour, what do we need? Number one, we need strength. We need to be, have the strength and hope to be overcomers in Christ. Uh, if you would, please, the second is this. We need strength in our eternal perspective. Notice with me, if you would, please, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Please get that. Uh, I know we want to emphasize, and I don't know, I'd like to say there's no whiners in here. I think we ought to have a sign out front that says no whining allowed. Because whining is a good enemy of faith. Quit giving glory to the devil. Oh, I'm bad and it's going to get worse. I've had five back surgeries. I got three spinal fusions. I got a little bit of a limp, but I had a shoulder replacement up here. There's my whining. I'm whining, whining, whining. And the reality is I'm around a whole lot of people that they do this and this hurts, that hurts. The reality is quit talking about it. Boy, I made a lot of you mad right there, didn't I? (laughs) Boy, he'll come back. I'm going to tell you, church, it's time for us to see this is a light affliction. This is nothing. This is nothing compared to getting to go to heaven. Uh, This light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. We've got to get our perspective off of all the things we see. We've got to get our eyes fixed on the things that are not of this world. And thank God, thank God, Jesus Christ is not of this world. Christians are challenged to focus on the unseen. Hebrews 9 and 27 says that it's appointed and a man wants to die. Without the rapture, let me be real blunt, you're going to die. There's no 200-year-old people walking around. History proves it. And the fact is, it, it's a, let me just be blunt, it's a fact, Jack. You're going to die. I'm going to die. All of us are going to die. And so the reality is, is this. It is foolish not to prepare for the inevitable. Did you hear that? You know, it's logical to be a Christian. You know, one of my college courses was apologetics, and it's the ability to be able to persuade a non-Christian to be a Christian, not using Scripture, just using logic. And I'm going to tell you, it is logical to be a Christian. Because the reality is I get to live the life believing in God. I get victory in my life because of my faith in God. And the fact is, is this, I make the choice, am I going to live my life as if there is a God and die and find out that there's not? Or am I going to live my life as if there is a God and and die and find out that there is? And so then I weigh that out and I say this, well, if I live my life as if there is a God and die and find out that there's not, I've really missed nothing because I've had a good life, paid my bills, took care of my family. Hey, it's a good life. I didn't lose much. But if I live my life as if there's not a God and died that there is, I lost everything. It is logical to prepare for the inevitable. Strength in our eternal perspective is built when we get our eyes off the temporary and get them focused upon Jesus Christ. Cancer is not the final word. Amen. Uh, uh, AIDS is not the final word. 
COVID-19, come on, amen me, is not the final word. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Cold blue is not the final word. Some of you are with me. Putin's not the final word. Amen. I heard on the news this morning, and many of you probably did too if you caught it this morning, that he is right now taking his nuclear arsenal to the next stage of readiness. That was on Fox News this morning. And so what that tells us is, is this is a lunatic. He is a demon-possessed lunatic. I'm going to tell you, one of the last Satan-possessed individuals, that personal, now this is personal opinion, not scripture, personal opinion, I believe that Hitler was Satan-possessed. Not just demon-possessed, I believe Satan himself was in that man. And are we seeing another dictator come to power? I don't know, but I'm sure watching and praying. But I'm going to tell you, even if he is, that cross-eyed, pigeon-toed, pimple-faced, panties-on-his-head devil. He has already been defeated. He, he is toe-jam. Jesus crushed the serpent's head. Can you say amen? And the reality is, it doesn't matter if Putin has the devil in him. The devil has already been defeated by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so the reality is, Putin is not the final word. Amen. See, today, understand, we find strength in knowing. John chapter 11, verse... I don't need that. That's fine. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Lord. John 11 and 25 says, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he shall die, yet shall he live. Now, understand... Uh, in our strength of an eternal perspective. Understand, there's more than this life. Yes. I love this life, and the reality is I'm going to live it to the end. You know, people, you know, and I've got it on my uh, oh, driver's license, the little box check that you can donate your organs, you know, and I'm going to donate, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, I plan on using up everything. <laughs> Ain't going to be worth nothing when I get through with it. I'm going to have that kind of life. I love life and life abundantly, but thank God there's more than this. There's got to be more than this. Some of you are like me. You look over your shoulder and you're closer to the end than you are the beginning. I am. I'm closer to the end of this. But I can tell you God's been good. And I'm so looking forward to that eternal life. I understand that this strengthens me in knowing that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. It's better than any vacation spot. Better than any amusement park. It's better than anything you can imagine. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no parting. No separation. You want to see God? There He is. The tabernacle of God is with man. Today we find strength in knowing that through salvation our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is there. Thank God. Understand that through this we find that one day we'll be reunited with our loved ones that have gone on ahead. Many of you, I know you can nod your head and say, man, I've got a loved one that I can't wait till I see that loved one again. You're going to get to see him again. And also, we know through this, it gives us strength in knowing that one day we will be with Jesus forever. It's hard for us to understand forever. We buy a new car. We take it to the Walmart parking lot. Some little old lady pulls up next to us in a 19 ugly Buick station wagon, hit, opens her door, bangs, and it's not new anymore. <laughs> Amen. It's, that's, that's it. I mean, you buy a new house, and then all five grandsons come over, and it's not new anymore, you know? You know, it, that's just a fact, Jack. That's everything on the planet 
ages. But don't lay up your treasure in a car where rust and moths and where things can destroy. Put your treasure where it's worthy of being put. Put your treasure in heaven. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My heart is right there with Jesus. It's my motivation. What is my heart? It's not the pump in my chest. What my heart is, is it's my ambition. It's my drive. It's my reason. It's my purpose for living. My purpose for living is with Jesus. It's there with Him. Why? Because that's where my treasure is. We can gain strength and hope. We gain strength in our eternal perspective. And, and the last is we gain strength in our consistency. Amen. Well, we need consistency today. Can you say amen? I think I clicked it too many times. One, two, three. You don't need it anyway. You're, you're, you're fine, brother. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. It tells us to be steadfast, immovable, ever abounding. If there was ever an hour where we, the church, need to be consistent, it's now. What I find in Matthew 24, and in fact, it's Matthew 24, verse 13. Jesus says this, and the, the, the little verse is in the, tucked away in Wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, man in relationship to man, man in relationship to the environment, the pestilences, the earthquakes in diverse places, and, and all the, the famine. And then man in relationship with God is the hearts of many waxing cold. You preach like this and people yawn in your face. You know, it, it happens. It, it's, it's a heartbreak that people yawn in your face, they're so cold. But at the same time, the gospel's being preached worldwide. You know, right now by live stream, we're going worldwide, whoever, whoever finds it. Uh, I can tell you that there was times that we preached live stream in Chickasha and the people in the sound booth would tell, there was somebody that picked us up this morning in, uh, over in Afghanistan. There was someone in Saudi Arabia listening this morning. And so I get to tell you, the prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus Christ could come back this afternoon. He wouldn't have to apologize to anyone. It's already fulfilled. It's time. And what Jesus said in the midst of all of that prophetic word is, he or she who endures to the end shall be saved. Notice the key word. You've got to endure uh, the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how you started this. What matters is how you finish. Uh, a lot of us started in different capacities. I started at seven years old in vacation Bible school. I accepted Jesus, and I really meant it. And I can tell the teenagers that I fell in love with my wife, and the first and only woman I ever made love to is my wife. Never drank an alcoholic drink, never smoked a cigarette, never did any of that stuff. And the reason why, I just love Jesus. And I, I tell you that not to toot a horn or not to sound all whatever. I just tell you that because I want the kids to know you can do it. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, the lie of the world is that everybody's doing it. 
Uh, I'm uh, teaching at a men's conference this next Saturday, and, and my topic that I'm doing is affair-proofing your marriage. And one of the fallacies of the enemy in the hour that we live concerning marriage is everybody's having an affair. And I'm going to tell you, no, they're not. We can endure to the end. Just because we're in the world doesn't mean we have to be of the world. And then if you'll remember with me in Revelation 2 and 3 to those seven churches of Asia Minor, every one of the churches heard to him who overcomes. To whom overcomes. We've got to be overcomers. We've got to be consistent. If you would, believers, with this steadfast strength, we will survive through the storm. Can you say amen? Well, we will stand in the adversity. Can you say amen? I'm going to ask you to kind of rally with me a moment. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to endure through the hardship. We're going to overcome the disaster. Amen. Uh, we're going to stand strong in the face of Putin. And the reality, we're going to hold our trust in our God. Please note the difference between faith and trust. I'll tell you, my faith has let me down a few times. And if you've ever prayed for someone and they weren't healed, your faith let you down. I'll tell you over and over, I prayed for people to be healed. I prayed for people to be delivered. I prayed for this, that. And the reality is, it did not happen. So when my faith let me down, I needed trust. Because my trust tells me this. God might know something I don't know. Uh, there was a little girl in Chickasha that was 13 years old, Mackenzie. Mackenzie died of cancer. And I, we had prayer meetings at the church. We fasted. We believed. We prayed for that beautiful 13-year-old girl. And she died. At her funeral, the OU football team was on the platform, and they, there's a couple of the guys that sang. They were football players. I'm not an OU fan. If you were an OU fan, you'd probably be impressed. Uh, the, ladies, the lady from the basketball team, Sherry, Sherry, she said right there where Vondi is. I mean, she was right there on the front row, Sherry. The church was full of football players. Reason why is the team had adopted, I didn't know this till later, the team had adopted McKenzie as kind of a mascot that they were holding her up and visiting her in the hospital because she was a beautiful little 13-year-old girl dying of cancer. I gave that message and gave it all to God. And many hands went up for salvation in that service. I prayed for her healing. God knew something else. My faith let me down, honestly, it did. Uh, why ain't this baby getting healed? But when faith lets you down, then let trust take over. Because I'm going to tell you, God's really smart. He knows a whole lot more than we do. And his plan is perfect. You can trust in him. What do we need in this hour? We need strength to overcome. We need strength in our hope. Our hope in Jesus Christ. 
We need strength in that steadfast, immovable commitment to Jesus Christ. We need strength to be able to allow this world to know no matter what goes on, no matter what happens, we're going to stand firm, we're going to stand immovable in our love for God. And His love for us is going to prevail. Can you say amen? amen? I believe in these last days, we choose what we focus on. I choose to focus upon the prophetic word for the church that in the last days, thus saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He said, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Please listen to me and look at me. I'm going to give an opportunity for salvation this morning. You don't have to sing in the choir to get saved. I didn't even notice y'all had one. You didn't have a choir. You don't have to attend this church to get saved. But you desperately need to call upon the name of the Lord. You call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. No matter where you are this morning, if you've been coming to church for 50 years and you realize that you've let the enemy in and you need to kick the enemy out, maybe it's time for you to rededicate your life to the Lord. You're here this morning and maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God orchestrated, listen to me, Nothing happens by accident with God. You're here with this old dude talking to you for a divine purpose. You may be here as a teenager, a young person that you've not yet made that personal outward expression of your faith, accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to tell you, don't as an adult say, well, I really don't remember when I got saved. I was just always saved. And I'm going to tell you, you were not always saved. You weren't born saved. You need to have that time, that place, that response where you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that right now across this congregation there would be that sweet presence of God, your Holy Spirit, that would bring just an awareness of you. And Lord, with this awareness of your presence, may there be the drawing of your love that any that are here this morning and and they're away from you, if you were to come this afternoon, they would not be ready and they know it. Father, I pray that you would draw them to you, that Lord, you would break down every wall, remove every barrier, take away every obstacle and draw them to you. And Father, bless them as they yield, as they surrender, as they obey. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, here's your opportunity. And I want to lead you to Christ. I I want to pray with you a sinner's prayer with you seated right there. You're here this morning. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Would you raise your hand right now? I just need to see your hand, know who you are, and I'm going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk to the front. I'm going to lead you to Christ seated right there where you are. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can call upon the name of the Lord right there where you are. Is there any across this congregation that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because I want to lead you to Christ this morning. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. I don't see one hand that's went up, so I'm going to ask this. Would you stand with me, please? I'd like to ask the worship team to come back for just a moment for me because I want to do something else. I believe God wants to reveal himself in this hour. I believe God wants to do miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations. I believe he wants to heal the sick. I believe he wants to set the captives free. Please look at me a moment. I know some good people, Christians, on their way to heaven that are living in bondage. God's got better than that for you. One of the things that I do for my son-in-law is I take all of his, a lot, a lot of his counseling. And right now the, the church, good people living for the Lord, I can tell you that there have been at least 10 affairs in that church. People that have been unfaithful to their wife. I can tell you that there are men in that church that have been addicted to porn. And I'm gonna tell you, God's got better than that for you. I thank God for grace. I thank God for mercy. But God wants you to live for Him in the holiness of being a, a vessel worthy of the Holy Spirit's presence. So God wants to deliver. God wants to set you free. Now, I'm not asking what it is because it could be anger. It could be fear. It could be depression. Worry is a bondage. And some of you need to be just delivered from worry. But whatever, because this last days, there's going to be many hearts failing them for fear. And the reality is God wants you to live in victory. God wants you to be an overcomer. And I know this is not going to be an easy uh, altar call to respond to. But I'm going to leave it very open-ended and it's nobody's business. It's between you and God. But if you're here this morning, you need to be just totally set free. Our sister already alluded to it so we're already following the leading of the Holy Spirit but if you need to lay something down well I would love to be able to see this congregation just come up here and and just lay something down whatever it is it may be fear it may be worry it may be guilt and condemnation of forgiven sin you just need to lay down that guilt and condemnation whatever it is I'm going to tell you there's victory for you And God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants you to live in total victory. But what I'm going to ask is, and I'm going to ask Christians, I'm going to ask deacons, I'm going to ask everyone that is willing to come. You're here this morning. You need to lay something down. Would you find your outcome stand across the front of this church right now? Come on. And don't let the enemy rob you of your victory. Father, honor right now as there is a response to coming to these altars and laying the burden down. Lord, may every obstacle, may every barrier, may every partition of the enemy crumble. And Lord, we pray that right now you would meet at an altar of prayer. That Lord, right now at this altar of prayers, we come and surrender. We lay down our fear. We lay down our worry. We lay down the depression. We lay down the guilt. We lay down the condemnation. We lay down the regret. We we lay down that past relationship that went bad. We lay down, Lord, all the offense, all the hurt, all the pain. Lord, we lay it down. We lay it at the foot of your throne. 
Bring your peace, Lord. Bring your victory, Lord. Bring your deliverance, Father. May the enemy be defeated again. May every attack of the enemy come to nothing. May his plots and plans be confused. And Father, bring your total victory, Father, to every one of your children that are willing to lay it before you. Freedom, 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 freedom in Jesus' name, freedom. Thank you, Lord, that you have broken every yoke of bondage. Thank you, Lord, that you have set the captives free. Thank you, Lord, for your victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.